what's up, house? It's Aloha. Welcome to Culturize. It is me, Makani. This is a space that we've created to learn about other people's cultures, whether it's native, whether it's ethnic, whether it's social. Uh, I just, I, for me personally, I just want to learn about cultures as much as I possibly can. And, you know, on that, I think if we understand a little bit about other cultures that um, we'll just get along a little bit better. Uh, we've created this space for that. So if you're joining us on TV portion, thank you so much for doing that. If you're on the podcast version, tell your friends about it. If you're watching us on YouTube, do all the necessary things that you got to do. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, comment down below what you think if you want to come share culture with us. Um, today, we're, uh, we're Zooming today. That's what we're doing. So, but I'm I'm humbled and I'm privileged. Um, he was going to be here, but this guy is busy. This guy is really really busy. But I want to introduce you guys, uh, my good friend, my workout partner. Sometimes, uh, Jasper Wong. What's up, brother? Hey, Makani, how's it going? Good. You switched man. into your radio voice. It's like <laughs> I know, right? It's well, so much. It sounds so different. I mean, a, your regular voice is also very sexy, but then the, <laughs> but, the radio voices. Uh, that's because you usually see me dying at F45, which is where we, we met, right? F45, uh, we got to say what's up. Shout out to F45 Kahala because uh, that's where I get unfat. <laughs> um I want to get right into it. I, I, because I know you're you're busy now. I'm just glad that I got I got a hold of you. And first of all, like we do locally, uh, where are you from? Yeah, from Oahu. From Oahu. What high school did you yeah. go to? Kalani High School. Kalani High School. Um, what was okay? So, ask ethnic backgrounds for you. Okay, ethnic background is um, Chinese. It's like pure Chinese. I actually took a DNA test. No way. You did one I of those? I was curious. I was like, I wonder if I'm actually Chinese Chinese. <laughs> Spent a hundred dollars, got the results back. Actually, I got the results back and uh -huh. it said that I was 90% Chinese and 10% Polynesian. Okay. And I was like, oh, I'm part Polynesian? Perfect. Like 10% is a small percentage. You know, I was like, oh, you know, like I'm going to become a fan of The Rock. I'm going to buy some rock posters. <laughs> I'm going to buy a Boana DVD. It's like my next project's going to be all Polynesian murals, yeah. <laughs> right? And then, you know how they update it every so often? Uh -huh. And it came back to me. They're like, oh, you're actually 100% Chinese. Wait, hold on. I didn't know that. So you, yeah, you, can, yeah. you take one of those DNA tests, you know, this week, you're 10% Polynesian. They're like, oops, sorry, just kidding. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, so as more people take it, I guess uh -huh. they're... Uh, their, their database is bigger. Yeah, yeah but yeah, and <laughs> it becomes more accurate. And then they're like, yeah, by the way, you're 100% Chinese. And then it's like, it's like China's so big. You're like, but where in China <laughs> right. are you from? Because then like they can figure out like the tiny village you're from in Europe. That's crazy. But then like, they're like, oh, you're generally Chinese. And I'm like, but I already <laughs> knew that. See, that's, and, uh, that's another thing I tell my friends. Oh, I'm going to go take this DNA test. And like, oh, you don't know who you are? <laughs> like, well, I just want yeah. to know for sure. And it's funny that you said it twice because people are like, no, I want to find out if I'm like Chinese Chinese. As opposed <laughs> yeah, to... Like <laughs> as opposed to... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like Hawaii Kai Chinese or, you know, like downtown Chinese. I, I love... So speaking of that, growing up uh, in your household, uh, was is there customs? Is there Chinese traditions, or were they just local traditions that that you kind of carry into your adult life? So I'm second generation Chinese, so I'm very much sort of like grew up with my family's culture and grew up speaking Cantonese. Because my dad is from Hong Kong, my mom is from Macau, but Hong Kong and Macau are very sort of like they're southern Chinese, but at the same time not really because Hong Kong was British territory for a hundred years. 
due to the Opium War and Macau was Portuguese territory. So it's kind of like this like mixed culture. So even when you fly, even when I was growing up flying back to, you know, Macau or Hong Kong, like it felt different than like flying to like, say, you know, China, China. I would, I would never even guess it. Now, when you, how often do you go back or were you going back and forth a lot? At one point I was living, I was, I was living in Hong Kong for about four years. Yeah. And so, but then growing up, we would go back like at least like once a year or once every other year to sort of see family. Was okay. So now when you would, when you were living there and, and traveling back and forth, was there a huge difference or not, maybe not even with the way you grew up in, in Hawaii Chinese and in China Chinese? Did you see huge differences or no? Yeah. I mean, the culture, like, you know, growing up, I mean, like in Hawaii is definitely a lot different than growing up in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, just from the fact that sort of just, I mean, just in the way that the education system is set up, you know, and, uh, you know, like a lot of Asian countries, like it's very strict and it's very strict and it's really focused on STEM and testing. And so for kids, it's very, very stressful to sort of go through the school systems in you know, China, Japan, Korea, like it's very, very stressful. It's, and it's very like academic focused. Whereas like, I didn't grow up that way, luckily, because my mom let me be an artist and let me sort of like explore creativity. Whereas like, I think if I grew up in Hong Kong, it might've been like sort of trained out of me. Uh, I, I see. Uh, hold that thought. If you're joining us, this is Culturize. This is a space where we get to talk culture and we're jumping right into culture with artist uh, Jasper Wong. But we're finding out a little bit about his background and how he got all the way to remember this. Powwow. Everybody sees it, but we're going to eventually get to that. So if you uh, want to say anything or ask him questions, comment down below. We're going to do this for the next few minutes with Jasper Wong on Culturized. Bringing you what matters. Viewers can receive the Star Advertiser digital full access subscription for just $9.95 per month. Go to StarAdvertiser.com and click on subscribe. Use the code AHIGHTHING. For all your money needs, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union is here for you. Visit HIFICU.com. Hey, what's up? How's it? Aloha. Welcome back to Culture Eyes. It is me, McCuddy. I am sitting here with my good friend Jasper Wong, art, um, artist, and we're talking about um, actually growing up in Hawaii and also growing up in China as well, and just traditions that you've had in the household. Um, was it was it different when you were even traveling or living? Did they know you were from? Well, to them, did they see you as a Chinese American? Or it, yeah, no, for sure. They, they yeah, you I mean, like, I mean, they could tell right away from, from my accent. Like when I speak oh. Cantonese, they say that I have an ABC accent, like an oh, American-born Chinese <laughs> accent. And I'm like, is that like a good thing? Is that like you know having like a French accent where you sound <laughs> right. sexier, or what I'm was like, it? Or was it like more like when you have like a Chinese accent and you speak English and you don't, it doesn't sound like AB. What is it? ABC American ABC, born. Yeah, American-born wow. Chinese. Wow, yeah. wow. But um. But yeah, so yeah, they could tell right away, you know, or even the way that I carried myself or even like, you know, that I, you know, I have like tattoos and stuff. So, you know, oh, like, I see. Like that it, was... it, it's kind of frowned upon. Yeah. And and that's so we go back to that is like you're, of course, slightly different. I mean, not only in, in speech, but in, in, in language, but tattoo wise. But your mom, your mom embraced that. Your mom was like, no, be an artist. Yeah. How when did she when did you or your mom realize did you realize it first or your mom was like, no, 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 I think I think uh, you're an artist. You need to I need to support that. I, I mean, like I was drawing since I was very little, like it was like the only thing that I would do since I was young. And my mom tried to 
encourage it um, more so than try to steer me away from it, which is really sort of uncommon. You know, you, you don't know that growing up, but for, you know, first, gen, first generation Chinese woman, and she was also like a single mother and she had like three kids, like three boys, you know, for her to encourage sort of my own interests is actually not that common in our, in our culture. Um, and then she tried her best to try to even like find classes and stuff to sort of encourage me to do it. But unfortunately, like, you know, growing up in Hawaii, there weren't as many resources. Right. And so I spent a lot of my time just being self-taught and teaching myself how to draw really? by like copying cartoons and trying to paint and, you know, using whatever materials I get my hands on. Now, uh, were you the only brother that was an artist or? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember the first thing you drew? It was as far back I as mean, you can. I mean, I don't, but most likely it was probably like a superhero. Cause I was really, it was really into like comic books and I was really into anime, like Dragon Ball. So it was probably something, it was either anime or, or superhero or something. I used to, you know, those old composition books that were like black and white with the pattern. Oh yeah. <laughs> I used to draw little like flip books in the corner. No way. Of like uh, characters like fighting each other and like stuff. And, <laughs> you did like, when, okay, it might be a weird question, but when, when did you realize that you looked at something that you drew and you were like, that's pretty good. I, I, I'm, I'm good. Oh, I don't know if I even do that now. Really? I mean, like, yeah, it's always like, oh man, maybe this is like, yeah, there, there's always, I think for artists or even for any sort of like creative individual, like there's always like a lot of self-doubt, you know, cause you're always seeing other artists or other musicians or, you know, even dancers are like, oh man, that guy's like really good. Like I'm really not good at this. That, that's, <laughs> so, you know, it's, I, it's, it's all, that's bizarre to me. Cause you know, I see your work. So you went from drawing superheroes, uh, just, I wouldn't even call it doodling, because what you, I, what would be the, here's a good question, doodling and actual art pieces when you were young, were you, would you consider that doodling? Like just white writing? I guess so, yeah, because yeah. none of it was like, you know, all of it was for, for myself. You know, I mean, there was nowhere to really share the work outside of sharing it with, say, family or friends at most. So most of the work that I was doing and drawing and like in my sketchbooks or composition books were mainly for me. I kind of, I really wish I still had those things. I think about them, yeah. But. Be, besides mom, um, was there anybody in the family or, or, or outside of the family that the, one of the first people you remember to recognize, whoa, Jasper's good? Oh, it was probably maybe like my mom's friends, probably. Yeah. Yeah, because then some of them started like, well, one thing that started happening when I was in high school is when I started also discovering like digital art. Because that's when I started, you know, I mean, I was born in the 80s. So, you know, I got my first computer, like my own personal computer for myself to use, like when I was in high school and like internet, right? Like came around like, maybe, like in intermediate school. A big, something. huge Mac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so then I started using Photoshop and sort of like learn how to use sort of like digital tools when I was in high school, just like self-teaching myself how to how to use those tools. And I would sort of do work that I liked and I would do them for class projects. And I clearly remember one of my teachers telling me that doing art digitally doesn't count as art. Really? I think he assumed that the computer made it for me. Oh, but right, 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 right. It didn't. It was more just sort of a tool that I used. Like instead of me using a physical brush, I used a digital brush. But it's not like it painted it for me, you know? 
Right. Okay. Hold yeah. that thought because I, 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 the question I'm thinking in my head is, is what medium do you prefer? You started getting into digital, but you came from, you're actually drawing. Uh, if you're joining us, we're talking uh, with Jasper Wong right here. Artist. Uh, we're going to find out this progression of, of an artist's mind. And that's how we do it right here on Culturized. Culturized brought to you by Beachside Roofing, the leaders. Hey, what's up, House and Aloha. Welcome back to Culturize. It is me, McCunny. I'm humbled and privileged to be sitting with uh, Jasper Wong, an, an artist, um, talking about his early days of, of drawing superheroes to Dragon Ball Z in the, in the corner of his composition book. Um, as you progressed through high school, what was, what was the progression? Did, was the, the medium you talked about, now you start to learn digital art. Right now, in, in, in your life, what do you prefer? Is it is it pick, picking up a, a a pencil or a pen or digital? I mean, I don't prefer one or the other, honestly. Like I I think both forms are valid, and I still do a lot of both. I I still paint a lot on canvas or panel or on walls for murals, and I still do a lot of digital work too. And sometimes I combine the both of them; and they go hand in hand. I think the thing that I love about actually painting with physical tools and all physical materials is um you know, it's the feel of the brush and the feel of it going on the surface. And also sometimes just like not wanting it to be perfect. Cause oh. I think with digital work sometimes you're like, oh, you know, like right. you want everything to be clean and pristine and, uh, and the tools and the medium kind of lends itself to that. But when I paint, I purposely try to make it messy. Cause I want it, it's almost like I don't want it to look perfect because I want it to look like there was a human hand that touched it. Wow. Like you, I try to like get away from digital work, but I also sometimes use digital tools to sort of inform the painting. Like I would use a digital tools to mock up and plan it more so than like mocking it up or planning it or, or, or figuring out the colors. I'll do that all digitally and then apply this and then sort of work on it physically. So when, when did you, when was that transition to, um, What's it? Would it be street art? Would it be? Were, were you a tagger? Were you? What, did you? When did you get into that? Uh, I. I mean, I'm not like sort of a prominent graffiti artist or or tagger. You know, I think I, as a kid, I was just like interested in it, and I would just like draw stuff with sharpies and stuff. So, I would, but I never like really went out and did it. Like, uh, but then you know how that how I fell into that world is actually almost like a longer story because sort of like it, it feeds into how I started the festival. So you didn't really go out and tag for those that are watching. Is there a difference? Some people don't really know the difference. Graffiti artist, tagger, like what is, what is that whole? It's all the, I mean, it's all the same. It all comes from the same culture. Um, you know, that, you know, that the culture of graffiti that started like in the sixties and seventies, like, um, in like Philadelphia and New York. Um, yeah, that, that all started, honestly, it's like, when you look back at sort of how that all started, it's really about young people trying to find their own voice. Because you're, I mean, like this goes back to, to music, it goes back to, you know, art. So, you know, it's the start of hip hop culture, right? It's like all these young people, they, popular culture didn't speak to them. And they wanted to find a way to speak for themselves, whether it be through different sort of expressions, whether it be art, music, or dance. And so then they developed their own, right? You know, which you know became hip hop, became breakdancing, became graffiti. For graffiti artists, it was not having any galleries or places to sort of do it. And what's the best, you know, what if you don't have a gallery or museum or anywhere or any sort of institution or space that's willing to share your work, 
then where do you share it? You share it on the walls in the street. Yeah. You share it on the on the on trains, and and what tools are available to you to sort of paint on that? You know, it's it's going to be spray paint. Totally makes know? sense. And so then they would use those as like a way to share their work. They turned their cities into open air galleries. You know, they turned the, the trains into sort of you know like every morning, every night you go out, and every morning you'd watch all the new pieces go up on trains. And so it was a way to sort of express themselves through their art, through the city. Which is crazy because back then it was like shunned upon. Like you you were ha you had to be incognito. You had to be go out late at night with your hoodie on and, and, and try not. It was basically against the law. Now you fast forward to Jasper Wong looking at this and going you're you're in museums you're in places now that you just talked about that they couldn't do back in the 70s and 80s uh we're gonna get into that we're gonna get into something uh that he created that everyone sees and not a lot of people outside of that know how it was developed we're talking powwow uh, with jasper wong right here in culturize you got any questions you know anything about it hit us up on all of our uh, social media platforms on youtube and all those things that you can find us right here on culturized Long's Drugs is always here for Hawaii, providing your family with their local favorites, accessible health and wellness services to keep you safe and healthy. Make Long's a part of your day. Hey, what's up, how's it? Aloha, it is me, Bakari. I am sitting with artist um, Jasper Wong. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's always cool, you know, you, you meet somebody and you know who they are, well, you know of them, and then when you get to sit down with them, I mean, their, their knowledge and, and their, their thoughts uh, when they open it is amazing. So that's what's happening to me. So I know we're sharing with you guys watching, but right now it's all about me. I'm learning a lot about what he does. We're talking about you as an artist growing up and your mom um, um, nurturing that. And you went from, you know, as we say, dueling, but all the way up to we're talking street art, we're talking graffiti. Um, what was it? Was it was it a dream? Was it a was it a responsibility? Powwow that you took just street art, if that's a fair word to say. And we talked about in the 70s, 80s, no place, no place to feature it. You guys are featuring it now. People are actually calling you. Right. To say, I want this. How did that whole thing come up? How did well, how did powwow come about? So, you know, growing up in Hawaii, like uh, if you're like a young sort of artist, you, you kind of have to leave to sort of build a career, unfortunately. Um, and and also because there's no art colleges here. So you leave anyways, if you want to sort of pursue art in like higher education. So I went to college. I went to art college in San Francisco. I went to the California College of the Arts and I lived in the Bay Area for about six years. But the thing with going to art colleges is that they teach you technical skills and conceptual thinking. But when you graduate, you really have no idea how to make a career for yourself. Like you, you, have, no how, you have no idea how to become a professional artist. And the business side of, the, of art is, not, is rarely taught, unfortunately. Um, so I graduated and I was really interested in process, the process of manufacturing. Like if I wanted to make something, like what, how do, how do I get from point A to point B? Like if I wanted to make a shoe, a bag, or furniture, or anything, like what was that process? Um, and so I, from, from San Francisco, from the Bay, I moved to Hong Kong. 
because Hong Kong is one of the well, China is one of the manufacturing capitals of the world, and Hong Kong being a gateway to that. And also, you know, I grew up going to Hong Kong. It's part of my own culture. I can speak Cantonese, so it was going to be an easier transition. And when I was living there, I, you know, would cold call and cold email uh, different agents and different manufacturers. So I got to know the people that made everything from uh, Ralph Lauren to Coach wow. bags to like Steve Madden shoes. But I also learned that man, it's like really hard to sort of make product because the cost is high because the minimums are high and then the initial capital that you'll need to even produce one, like, like shoes, for example, to do like one size of just like a size nine mold of a sole can cost like six figures. Really? And so a lot of it became like kind of like out of reach after learning more about it. Yeah. But at the same time, when I was trying to do that, I also became more ingrained in, you know, um, street culture and fashion. So I ended up working for Hypebeast magazine. Wow. And um, and also, you know, wanted to show my work in in galleries. And the only way to really share your work was in galleries. Because otherwise, like being an artist can, can be a really solitary pursuit. And so I started, so I really, like, really loved showing my work in galleries in San Francisco. And at that time, it was a very sort of like art-centric city. Like San Francisco, like everyone was artists in San Francisco. Like you go to a cafe and everyone's an artist. There was like gallery shows and openings all the time, projects happening all the time. It's like not really like that anymore, unfortunately. They all got pushed out. Uh, and... I wanted to continue doing that in Hong Kong. And I took my portfolio around the different galleries in Hong Kong and I kept getting rejected. I, like, see, I was no just one wanted ask, to show my work. Did people think you were crazy? Like what, you want um, to put this in a gallery? Yeah. I, well, it was, it was less so the quality of my work and it was more so they, they told me that I was the wrong type of Chinese. Whoa. Hold that thought, because uh, if you're joining us, we're sitting with Jasper Wong right now. We're talking about his progression from artist uh, all the way to in, in museums and getting where he always wanted to go. And, and your persistence. We're talking about that right now, your persistence of, of keeping on doing it. Uh, speaking of persistence, go hit up our extended version on YouTube. If you're watching on the TV portion, uh, once this is done, go to YouTube and uh, subscribe and do all those wonderful things to validate us. We're coming back on the extended version with Jasper Wong. Hey, what's up, how's it? Aloha, welcome back to Culture Rise. If you're joining us on YouTube now, this is the extended version. We're going to get even deeper into uh, the artist Jasper Wong. Uh, we left off talking about, that's crazy to me. What did they say? You're the wrong kind of Chinese? Is that what we Yeah. So if you're just joining us, getting his work into, into galleries and uh, your persistence, because we know that eventually you got us to powwow, but let's, let's go back to that trying to get your work in galleries what what did it feel like did did you like oh, i just want to give up forget it or you just was like you know what? no way yeah so you know what they meant um when they were saying that i was around type of chinese is because the hot commodity at that time uh was mainland chinese artists uh, so they wanted to sell art from artists that were from china and because i was american chinese they're like we can't sell the work. It didn't matter if like the work was good or not. It just mattered where I was from. And I, and I got that multiple times. And as a reaction to that, you know, it was, uh, it was hard because it was like, oh man, like I, you know, it was like, there were so many shows in San Francisco and it was like not that hard to get into shows or, or even doing your own show. And in Hong Kong, what I realized that is like most galleries weren't even showing like local Hong Kong artists either. Like they were also getting ignored. Like, like that Hong Kong artists were also the wrong type of Chinese as well. Wow. And so what I did was I started my own gallery. 
Because if I start my own gal, I can show whoever the hell I want, including myself. Obviously. I, I, I just got to start. I love that whole that you're like, okay, you, you don't. Okay, let me go make my own. That, but see, that is a heavy life lesson for artists today. Like you were just saying, uh, you're going back to you went to art school. They didn't. Did somebody in art school say, well, if you can't do it, make your own? You no. see, that's amazing. Okay, go back to that. I just had to say that was that's an amazing, brilliant idea. So you made your own. <laughs> So, so the one thing that's sort of like, if you've been to Hong Kong or just sort of like create a, a mental picture of it. So Hong Kong is kind of set up in a way where like there's different districts that are sort of like specific industries. So if you wanted to buy textiles, there's like a, like a district that you just, like, all the stores are all textiles. Um, and then the, there's all the stores that just only sell sort of computers and electronics and et cetera, et cetera. So the gallery art district is also the clubbing district as well. It's all in, around the same area, um, but obviously I can't be in that area because you get priced out because you know it's just too expensive to be in that specific area. Um, but if you go like one or two districts over, it's where I was, where I found the spot. It was uh, called Sayingpun, and it was the uh, dried seafood district <laughs> and the um, sort of like where you could buy offerings for your ancestors that have passed away. Uh, basically what they do is uh, you can buy sort of, they look like pinatas. They're made out of paper and you can buy Louis Vuitton bags, like Ferraris, <laughs> like different paper objects uh, that you will burn. Oh, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. and then, you know, burn those offerings. And then in the next life or in the afterlife, your ancestors would then receive a Ferrari. Oh, and so that's something like they sold that plus like dried seafood. So that was a district that I was in. It wasn't like an arts district like at all, but it was close enough. You know, it wasn't that far from where the arts district was. Uh, so there was a restaurant that was more or less abandoned, like it was empty for about a decade. So the owners could care less, we'll, we'll go in there because as long as someone rents it, that's fine. Um, and also it was like really cheap because it was like up this hill, it was like really hard to get to. And, all, and so I decided to just paint the walls white, you know, add some doors and windows because in that, it's old school restaurant where like the door was, you know, it, it was a roll up and then when it opened then it was just wide open, um, you know, put, you know, and then, and then it was a gallery and that was, and then that gallery was called above second because it was above second street because we felt like we needed to use some kind of like location marker so that people knew where the hell it was. And there was no sort of subway there yet. So you had to take like a tram or taxi or tram and then have to walk up that hill. So if you wanted to come to the gallery, you really had to want to come to the gallery because it was, more of a trek compared to like being being more centralized. Um, and that very first exhibition that I did, there was the very first Powell that I did. Was it just your work in there? Would no, like no. So, so some of the mentality that I had from my experience um, living in Hong Kong was that one, I wanted it to be, um, I wanted it one to sort of like steer away from the financial nature of the, of the arts industry where I wanted, everyone to sort of create work for themselves and not create work to like want to sell it or with the intention to sell it. Cause you tend to create or do things differently knowing like what you can and can't sell. Um, and also, you know, maybe like perhaps we'll also destroy some of the work afterwards so that maybe we can go back to when we were younger, when we just like create to create, you know, like we didn't create to try to like make money. Right. Uh, and, and also to find ways to sort of collaborate as well to try to like bring other artists together and sort of work together. Cause I kind of missed that living in the Bay and I wanted to sort of bring all these artists together, sort of like make and create together. Um, Cause sometimes you learn a lot from just sort of like working near or with someone. 
and also to share process because oftentimes the process that leads up to the to the finished work can often be more interesting than the work itself because you see all the sort of the trials and tribulations and then and all the issues that sort of artists face and try to like sort of conquer try to get to something that they end up liking and which and want to share and so those are all parts of of that um sort of thing that i wanted to share so then like i brought in artists from london australia and taiwan and france there's a small group of us of just my some of my friends and we kind of like created work together over a period of like a, a week or two to create all the work and, and and kept everything open so that people can come and check out the work that's such a cool concept like to, just to think that okay there's these guys that I, I need to take care of there's all these other friends that are artists and we're gonna we're gonna put it together so how did so powwow basically started in china yeah in hong kong yeah how did how did it make it how did you bring it to hawaii or did you was the hawaii the next or where'd you go after that so yeah so you know that event was really successful and you know, even with the name, um, you know, Pow Wow was really sort of centered around my own like love of comic books. So Pow being like a punch in the face, nice. <laughs> and then Wow being like the imp uh, the reaction to that. So then uh -huh. Pow and Pow was thinking about was like the, the impact that art had on the viewer. Um, uh, and so what happened was um, like when that when we finished that that first project, that first show, I wanted it to be a traveling show, and I was thinking of like other friends that might have galleries in like other cities and who might be interested in sort of like taking it on. Um, and one of my friends in Hawaii said, you should bring it back home. And I had doubts about it. It's my friend, Krista Whitmire, mm. Super CW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she was like, you should come. Cause then she actually flew out to Hong Kong to come to the first one. So she was there, she saw it. She's like, you know, people in Hawaii like need stuff like this back home and you should, you know, consider bringing it back home. And I was like, I don't, like growing up in Hawaii, like I don't know who would care about it or who would even sort of support it, et cetera. Like, I'm not sure. Um, but I said, you know, like, let's try and see if we can make it happen. So I came home, you know, started looking for venues and seeing what we could and could not do. And then luckily there was a lot of people that actually supported it and wanted it to happen here. But one thing that was very difficult was trying to raise funds for it, trying to raise oh, money for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this was like 2011. So, or like 2010 when I was raising money and trying to make it happen. And a lot of brands didn't see art exhibitions and projects as good vehicles to promote their brand. So I had a really hard time raising money or trying to find any sort of sponsorships. And at the same time, uh, you know, some of them might have might commit to it, but also then like, you know, drop out of it because they're like, oh, maybe it's, it's not gonna work. I'll be a waste of marketing funds. So, you know, I was, you know, at the end, you know, when you struggle to sort of like raise money for a project, you're, I was given, you know, three options, you know, one just, canceling it all together two maybe scaling it back so it's cheaper or three just going for it and seeing what happens so i uh paid for everything with my credit card Jeez. again the persistence so how did how did, did was powwow in a gallery first or what did because all these murals that are all over kakaaka right now yeah where did, where so the very first one was actually in a warehouse in kakaaka um it was a cafe called fresh cafe it was on queen street so there, there was a warehouse in the back that I helped to run when it was around. And the one thing that sort of switched us from like being more of like an exhibition to like murals was that there was a, a wall in the parking lot. And it's when, so you get one of those like light bulb moments. Uh, and one of the artists was like, we should paint this wall. I was like, yeah, we should. And, that, and the, the thing about doing public art is one, we don't, 
own the wall, so we can't right. sell it. So we tend to, you know, we can do whatever we want as long as it's obviously, obviously family friendly because it's in a it's in a public space. Two, we can collaborate on it because it's so big, you know. And also we can share process because it's a, uh, you know, like if we're doing it outside and people, you know, will can see your work and see how you sort of do these projects. And also it's like they're so large scale too. Um, and so we did one mural that first year. The following year we did twelve murals. Jeez. Then more recent ones, we we would have like 120 artists and we would do like 100 murals in a week. Which is funny um, to me because yeah. the, the, the irony of it, like when we started the conversation is you go back to the 70s and 80s and people were trying to incognito and, and, and under the radar of, of doing these murals. And now you guys are like, okay, now we it's, it's almost a business, right? And now you're having to, it got to that. And now you have people actually owning walls and buildings saying hey can you come do this yeah but in the beginning in hawaii especially like that those first years it was very hard to sort of convince anyone to to, to let us paint on their walls because there was a there was already a misconception of it right right like they they came in they're like oh you guys are going to do graffiti like why would i let you do graffiti on my wall like why would i let you do like legal graffiti on my wall i'm, I'm trying <laughs> to like get rid of it right. and also the broken window theory you know it's uh, it's ingrained yeah, in some yeah, people yeah, yeah. right it's like okay the window is broken someone comes and tags on it it leads to homelessness and crime and so within this sort of decline of a community you know graffiti and tagging is in that sort of decline and if you're using spray paint then it's instantly sort of connected to graffiti and tagging which is funny because you guys just took that and turned it totally upside down right because now it draws people in and it yeah. brings in a new crowd um but we're talking powwow uh, with jasper wong i know you're busy i need to bring you back because i want to we eventually want to talk about all the other things that, are, that you're doing uh, if you are on our YouTube, don't forget to hit the notification button, subscribe. Uh, you got any questions for Jasper, uh, anything about art and, and the powwow, uh, do it down below. Thank you, brother, for making time. Uh, I want to bring you back. Is I know you're busy, but uh, you can just commit to me now. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I want to I want to come in person next time for sure. We'll do that. Uh, if you're joining us, thanks a lot. We're talking about uh, the culture of art, street art with Jasper Wong right here on Culture. Wars.